Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life he gives. Well, today is the second Sunday of Advent, and Advent is a season on the church calendar where we learn how to wait with anticipation and prepare ourselves for Christ's coming, for Emmanuel, God with us. And Advent has a a three-dimensional dynamic. It has a three-dimensional dynamic of past, present, and future. How many of you have seen the the classic Christmas Carol, right, with Charles Dickens? And they have different versions of it, right? But what happens is Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by the ghost of past, present, and future. Charles Dickens stole that idea from Advent. He didn't. He didn't. That's a lie. Preachers can't lie. He didn't. But Advent still has that same kind of dynamic where it's rooted in in the past, in the present, in the future. It's rooted in the past in that it looks back at the birth of Christ, the birth of Jesus, and how he put on flesh and came to be with us. But Advent is also rooted in the present in that Advent is a time, it's a season when when we as Christ followers are intentionally being attentive to where God is showing up and drawing near to us in the here and now. How God is, is drawing near to us in our present circumstances and daily lives where we are attentive to what the Holy Spirit's doing in our life. And Advent also is not only rooted in the past where we look back at the birth of Christ, it's not only rooted in the present where we're attentive to the Holy Spirit's work in our present day, it's also rooted in the future because it prepares us to wait with anticipation for Christ's return. And so Advent is rooted in the past, the present, and the future, and it's a season that helps us anticipate Christ's coming. So this morning we're going to anticipate Christ's coming by looking at the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we're going to unpack three responses that she gives when God draws near to her and invites her into his redemptive plan. She gives three responses. We're going to look at each of those. And then we're going to consider how each of these three responses can can serve as a template for us in the present when God draws near to us. And so I'm going to invite Matt Lehman up, and he's going to read our our first passage of Scripture today. It's from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26 through 33. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. 
And so what we're told is the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and, and tells her that the Lord is with her. And Mary's initial response is one of confusion and consternation. We're told this, that she's disturbed. She's disturbed by it. And I think this is noteworthy because when we imagine God's favor on our lives, when we imagine God drawing near to us, confusion and being disturbed are not words we often associate with that. Right? We think that when, when God is near to us, when God is with us, we think of peace. We, we think of clarity. We think of assurance. We, we think of certainty. After all, God is not the God of confusion, we're told, right? He is the all-knowing one, the omnipotent one, the all-powerful one, the miracle worker. He, he's the one who makes a way where there is no way. He's the one who works on our behalf and makes our path straight. He's all these things. And yet Mary's initial response to God telling her, I'm with you, Mary's initial response to hearing that God's favors on her life is one of confusion. She's disturbed. See, I, I think that sometimes when God draws near to us, it, it can result in things feeling more complex, not less. Right? That we, we tend to think that, that if God is with us, everything should be smooth, everything should be easy, everything should be effortless. And sometimes that's the case. Right? Sometimes God draws near to us and it is effortless, it is smooth, it is easy. It is comfortable. But what happens when things start to feel challenging? What happens when we start to feel confused? What happens when things feel difficult? Does that mean that, that God is no longer with us? See, I, th I think that if we're not careful, what can happen to us is we can convince ourselves that God is only with us when things are going well. We can convince ourselves that if we have to work really hard or if things are confusing or if things are cloudy or if, if we're disturbed or, or confused, that, that God's not with me. And I'm not sure why we draw that conclusion. We, we think that, that God's nearness means that everything is going to be smooth for us. Our central icon for our faith is a crucifix. <laughs> it's an instrument of death. <laughs> And yet somehow we've convinced ourselves that, that whenever God's near, whenever God's with us, things are just going to go well. They're going to be easy. And yet the cross tells us something different. That God is near us not just when things are easy, but, but sometimes God calls us and invites us into places uh, that, are, that are uncomfortable that are cloudy, that are difficult, that are challenging, and that doesn't mean he's not with us. In fact, when we read Mary's story, what we find is, is that that's when she discovers he's closest to her. And I wonder if that same thing is true for us, that when we're in a season of, of, of cloudiness, of a lack of clarity, of, of challenges, of disruption, that, that perhaps God is closest to us in those times. And one of the things Mary's story teaches us is that if we only look for the invitations from God that are easy and safe, we can miss out on the very thing God wants to lead us into. 
And we don't like to hear that, right? We, we want to believe that when God is with us, he opens all the doors. There's very little effort. Everything is simple. Everything is easy. Everything is smooth. Everything is crystal clear. And, and yet the scriptures, when we read the scriptures, we see time and again that that's not always the case. Sometimes God invites us into difficult, demanding, disruptive things, but he's with us. Here's a, here's a question for, for us to consider this morning. What if the transforming power of the gospel has been diminished in our lives because we, we fail to recognize that God's nearness is anything other than comfort and ease? What if the, 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 the power of God, the transforming power of the gospel has been minimized and diminished in our life because we have failed to recognize God's nearness is anything other than comfortable, is easy. And I want to submit something to those of you who aren't following Jesus yet. Don't believe it for a second when someone tells you that Jesus will bring you a life of comfort, safety, and ease. You've seen the bumper sticker, like me, try Jesus, right? And that implies if you try Jesus, everything's just going to go splendid. You're never going to have a problem again. Just try it. You'll like it. <laughs> try Jesus. It's going to work out for you. And, and, and it's true on some levels, right? Like, like Jesus does do those things for us. And yet it implies this idea that, that following Jesus brings us into a life of ease and comfort when Honestly, deciding to follow Jesus will likely cause more disruption in your life, not less. Because he asked something of you. Right? But it's the good kind of disruption. How many know there's a good disruption? This is a holy disruption. It's the kind of disruption that, that causes us to be more aware of God's presence in our lives and in the world around us. It's the kind of disruption that, that brings hope. It's the kind of disruption that, that changes us that compels us to participate in God's good work and his redemptive plan. It, it's the kind of disruption that births something in us because it's conceived by the Holy Spirit. Right? Not all disruption is bad. And so we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning looking at these three responses that Mary has when she realizes the complexity of the invitation God's extending to her to be the mother of Jesus. The first response is in Chapter 1 of Luke's Gospel, verse 34. And Matt already read the angel appearing to her and giving her this news, and this is her first response. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. I want you to notice this, that Mary's first response to God's invitation here is a question. And what I draw from this is asking God's questions isn't a lack of faith. I, I want to say that again. Having questions for God is not a lack of faith. I'd argue this, that it's actually evidence of faith. When we ask God questions, it's evidence of faith. That's how we grow in our faith, because questions fuel conversation. They fuel relationship. And the book of Romans, Romans tells us this, that, that faith comes by hearing the word of God. And, and sometimes, one of the ways we hear God's word is by asking him questions, right? So it's not a lack of faith. Mary responds. Her first response is to ask a question. And things get crazier for her because the answer to this question makes things even more complex. Look at verse 35. 
After Mary asked this question, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Now on the one hand, this announcement, this news is exhilarating. Right? Mary is, is being invited to by God to play a huge role in his redemptive plan. She, she's getting the opportunity to parent, to give birth and parent the Son of God. It's tremendous honor. But on the flip side of that, there's a whole lot of sacrifice and personal loss that sometimes we fail to think through when we, we think about the Christmas narrative. First of all, Mary is engaged to be married, so that's a problem. She has a fiancé. What is her fiancé going to think when he finds out she's pregnant? And he tells her, oh, don't, don't worry. I, I, I've been faithful. It's the, I was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, and this is God's son. She, I wonder if Mary even thought through, like, oh, wait, he would probably leave me. I might have to do this on my own. Mary's a teenager at this time. Secondly, her family and friends have to hear this news. How are they going to take it? Mom and dad, <laughs> neighbors, friends, just so you know, um, I'm going to have a baby. It's God's baby. <laughs> the, she, you have to think through this. She could be ostracized, at, at very worst, shamed. And on top of all that, she has the pressure of parenting God's son, the Savior of the world. Think of that. Now, if you're a parent, you know how scary parenting is. It can feel really scary at times. I remember when my firstborn was, came into the world, and we were at the hospital, and every few hours the nurses would bring him into us, and, you know, it was kind of great. <laughs> the nurses just kind of, like, did everything for him. We just got to, like, and I remember a couple days later when the doctor and the nurses says, okay, it's time for you guys to leave today. And I said, are you are you kidding me? <laughs> like, you're going to send him home with us? Like, can we take the nurses? Will they come? And I remember we were strapped in the car seat, and we're walking out to the car, and he was born in February, so it's cold, and we've got to do all the blankets and the things. And, and we're putting him in the car, and I'm like, they're actually going to let us take him. Talk about imposter syndrome. <laughs> we're like, how do we do this? Think about this. Mary was a teenager. And she had all this pressure. Listen, as parents, our best hope is that we can keep our kids alive and not mess them up so bad, right? But imagine if you're parenting the Son of God, the Savior of the world. What a pressure that would be. You do not want to mess that up. And Mary is carrying that tension. Look at her second response in Luke chapter 1, verse 36. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Here's what's remarkable about Mary's second response here. Her first response is she asks the question. Her second response is, yeah, whatever the Lord has. And even though God's plan for her made her life more difficult and complex, she's willing to embrace it. Because she wants to participate in God's redemptive plan. She's, she's willing to sacrifice her own plans to make 
room for God's plan. How remarkable is that? Here's someone who had her life figured out, was engaged to be married, knew, probably knew everything, how it was going to lay out, and, and God meets her and invites her into his redemptive plan and, and draws near to her, and she's willing to give up her plans to embrace God's plan, even at her own personal expense. She wanted to see God's kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven more than she wanted a comfortable, easy life. And then there's her third response. Her third response in this conversation with Gabriel and with God comes in the form of a song. I guess this would be the very first Christmas carol. Mary sings a song, and it's referred to today as the Magnificat, or My Soul Magnifies the Lord. And and to magnify something, of course, means to enlarge it, to make it big, to amplify it, to give attention, to, to praise. And that's exactly how Mary's song begins. Look at verse 46 of Luke chapter 1. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. He has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Last Sunday, if you were here worshiping with us, Abby uh, led us through Hannah's story in the Old Testament. How Hannah had cried out to the Lord because she was unable to have children, and she cried out to the Lord, and God answered her prayer and gave her a son named Samuel, who became the first prophet in the Old Testament. And Hannah praises God through a song that's recorded for us in the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. And and last week, Abby mentioned how Hannah's song and Mary's song could be sung in concert together, right? How there's there's a harmony to both of these songs in, in that both songs celebrate God's nearness. Both songs speak about being seen by God when others had overlooked them. Both songs illustrate the invitation that God extends to them. Both songs praise God for for birthing something in them, in their lives. And and it's through these songs, through Hannah's song and Mary's song, that that both Hannah and Mary are strengthened in their faith. And how are they strengthened in these songs? If, If you look at both songs, Hannah and Mary both look back at all the things God had done. And they just start naming where God showed up. God showed up here. Remember when God showed up here? Oh, and God also showed up here. And what that does is it strengthens them for the journey that they have ahead. It gives them the the faith that they need for the challenges they're going to have ahead. I mentioned at the beginning of my sermon that, that Advent isn't merely just looking back to the past at the birth of Jesus. It, it is that, but it also has a present and future component to it. And so what we're going to do this morning to, to close is we're going to take a few minutes to consider how God 
might be drawing near to us this Advent season? What, what might he want to birth and conceive in us? How might he be inviting us to make room for, for Jesus in our lives? And I'm going to invite the worship team up, and, and they're going to play quietly for us, and we're going to go into a three- to four-minute prayer exercise that we're going to do together. Don't worry, you can just be seated in your seat. This is a prayer time that, that I'll, I'll lead us in. And we're going to use Mary's three responses as a template for us as we consider what it might look like for God to draw near to us here today. And if you feel comfortable doing so, I invite you to close your eyes for this. If not, that's okay. You can pray with your eyes open. You can, you can do it that way as well. Um, but if you are comfortable, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and take a moment just to settle your heart, settle your, your, yourself, and take a breath. And I have three prayer prompts that I want to lead us in. And the first prayer prompt I have for you is what question might you have for God today? What question might you have for God today? See, Mary wasn't afraid to ask questions. Our questions don't keep us from God. They lead us to him. He's not afraid of our questions. Asking questions of God is is not a lack of faith. It's evidence of faith. It, It fuels conversation and relationship with him. So what question do you have for God today? Maybe it's something that you're waiting for or something you're confused about or don't understand. Maybe it's something you've been frustrated with. Take a moment and ask God your question. The second prayer prompt I have for you is, are there any plans you have this Advent season that you might need to let go of in order to make room for something else? Are there any plans from now till Christmas that you might need to hold loosely in order to make room for something else? We read in in Mary's story how she was willing to let go of her plans to make room for God's plan. What might God be inviting you into this Advent season? And what would that require you to let go of or to surrender? Take a pause and just reflect on that for a moment. final prayer prompt I have for you this morning. So I want you to think of a time in your life when you felt unseen or overlooked. How did God show up for you? Maybe it was 
through an encouraging word someone gave you or a small blessing that came your way or a, a change of perspective. In her song, Mary responds by reflecting on how God had shown up in the past and she uses it to remind herself that God is near, that God is with her. Take a moment to reflect on that time when God showed up for you. Allow it to, to strengthen your, your faith and remind you of God's nearness. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, this Advent season, as we wait with anticipation for Christ's coming, as we look back at the past, at the birth of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, as we consider our present circumstances in daily life and, and, and commit ourselves to being attentive to see God draw near to us, for God to be with us, as we consider the future of Christ coming again, and we anticipate that and, and wait for it. God, we pray that you would give us eyes to see that coming, that drawing near. Lord, I pray for my friends who are in dark, difficult, cloudy spaces, who have maybe felt that, that God is not near them. Lord, would you just assure their hearts this morning that you are very near, more near than they could ever know. Lord, I pray for my friends who have questions. Lord, that those questions would, would be an act of faith and, and that you would start a conversation, relationship with them that is so deep and rich this Advent season. Lord, each one of us is completely dependent on your Spirit. And so we ask for your help. Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear whatever your spirit is doing in our lives, in the world around us. And God, may you continue to extend the invitation to us to be part of your redemptive plan, to respond to, to your goodness, to respond to the gift of Jesus and all that provides us. Lord, we thank you for your commitment to us that you would put on flesh and come down to earth and die on a cross to forgive us our sins and to reunite us with, with your family. Give us the courage to respond to that today and through the rest of our Advent season. We ask all of these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.